Hey everyone, and welcome to the first ever episode of the Competitive Enablement Show. I'm your host, Adam McQueen, and I'm honestly really excited to kick this thing off. The reason behind creating this show is that we wanted to dive into how businesses launch, build, and actually maintain a successful competitive enablement program. So I'm going to be talking to product marketers, competitive enablement leaders, some of the competitive experts within our own team at Clue, and actually end users of competitive content like salespeople. If you're listening to this episode, then great. You're in at the ground floor. This show is going to be ever evolving and we want to be digging into the topics and questions that actually matter most to you. So don't be a stranger. Reach out to me, reach out to the Clue team and let us know what you want to learn about, who you want to hear from and some of the questions that you want answered. For our first episode, we're going to be talking about earning sales adoption. It's arguably the most important factor that determines the success of your competitive enablement program. So to tackle this topic, I was joined by Clue's own competitive program strategist, Alex Organ. In our conversation, we, we use Clue a lot for her, based on her own experiences, but really the tips and advice that Alex mentioned is applicable for anyone that's responsible for getting sales to adopt a new platform or a tool. So... With that all said, we've got the housekeeping out of the way. Let's get into today's episode. I'm really excited today to be joined by one of the uh, long-standing members on our customer success team. It's Alex Organ, the two only British people in the Clue company. You're you're really so British. Far. I'm like I'm so like far. Uh, <laughs> so far, yeah. The recruitment uh, is beginning out there. And I'm I I can't really claim to be full English at this point. My accent is uh, <laughs> is fading fast. But I'm joined by Alex, and for this episode, we're going to talk about sales adoption and how to get sales to buy into your competitive program in the early stages as you're rolling out the program. So, Alex, you've worked alongside a lot of product marketers and competitive leaders. Why is sales so important to the success of the program and the rollout? And why is it so hard to get them on board? Yeah, absolutely. So I think rolling out a new piece of software to any sales team is a challenge. It's really hard, but there are reasons that we need to do it. Um, Increasing revenue is definitely a big one of those. Um, accelerating deal sizes, deal speeds, all of those different factors come into play. But it can be a real challenge um, getting folks to adopt a new tool when they haven't asked necessarily for that tool. Um, so there are a couple of tips, as you say, a couple of different tips that we can suggest and that we highlight for really trying to get sales to adopt these tools. One of the things that I think is really, really key and that is present throughout all of our our customers is executive sponsorship. So getting buy-in from all of those teams, whether it's sales leaders, sales enablement, we often work with product marketing teams. So getting those other teams on board, um, even the C-suite of different teams is crucial um, because we're going to need to use their influence and their leadership to really speak to the value of why we're asking uh, sales to adopt this new tool, Clue in our case. Um, And without executive sponsorship, often your sales reps won't understand the value of why we're asking them to use these tools. So with executive sponsorship, that, that, that much makes a lot of sense because it's sort of people in that position really kind of setting the stakes for it. Like it's a really good way to kind of get that early traction, understand that people in, well, 
of people in positions of power say that this matters. So that's like the first kind of starting point. Do you find what are some of the roles where you've seen it most impactful, like in those leadership roles? Is it like a sales leader? Is it your CRO? Is it even the CEO at times? Like, is there, does that matter too much? Uh, that's a great question. I We've seen a whole host of different um, leaders get involved in this. But the key one is for us would be sales enablement. Um, we need to leverage them to create things like the customized training, really bring across the value to why sales needs to be leveraging this tool. But that's often, as you say, it's going to come from the sales director or your CRO. And that can be either one of them. Often there might be multiple sales teams, depending on how that team's broken down. So if we can get the sponsor behind all of those teams and get them seeing the value of Clue specifically, then that tends to filter down and then your sales reps become to understand why do they need to use the tool. But it's more creating, I guess, having that executive sponsorship and that involvement is um, very much like building a culture. So using a software tool like Clue becomes less optional and more part of the company culture. Like This is what we need to do. This is what we're using to actually increase deal sizes. Speak about the competition in Clue's case um, and really embed it from the top down. I, I'm curious when you say that it's not optional, my my like, ears pinged up there a little bit. I'm like, ooh, this could go one of two ways. And I think it's also ties into that idea of building a culture like not optional is like when I was a little kid and there's like a sign that says, don't step on the grass. I'm like, I think I'm going to step yeah. on this grass. <laughs> like you want to like- It makes you want to do it even more. Yeah. So I, I, I guess what I'm, what I'm curious about here as well is like, although it's not optional because you really want the execs to kind of set the stage for this, how do you do that in a organic way, I suppose, from, from the execs standpoint? And how do you actually get the execs as well to, to buy in on this as well? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I think it's so twofold. So how do you get the execs to buy in on the value of the tool? And then also, how do you encourage people to make this part of their workflow? Um, having the execs bought in in the early days, so all part of the decision buying process of bringing on a new tool is, I think, is really key. Um, they're bought in from the beginning. And then our role as customer success um, is to continue making sure that we can keep them in the loop. Um, and that we can obviously leverage them when it does come to rolling out the software tool, Clue, um, that we can lean on them to encourage people to use it. Um, ideally, they would be using the platform themselves as well so that they can find value, they can see how it fits into day-to-day -day workflows, and then, um, I guess, encourage behavior by um, their own behavior. I'm sure there's a uh, um, a phrase for that, but I can't think of it right now. Uh, lead by example, that's the one. Um, <laughs> and and then the the second piece there that you mentioned about getting, you know, how can you get them to adopt this into the workflow? It comes from top down, but I also think if we can get some early adoption adopters or early champions that maybe they're involved in a pilot from the beginning stages that they can actually invest and that they've had input, they've given their feedback. So it's in their own interest to get other people using this as well because their time and effort's gone into it. That plays a huge part as well. And I think that we, we always encourage pilots as part of Clue, get a small group, start small and then scale, but get a small group to access the content and even contribute to that competitive intel initially. If those early adopters or early champions. I've seen it in some customers where those are sales leaders and that we're actually getting the input from pretty senior people um, as to what they think their team 
will see value in, in terms of content, then that goes a long way. You've immediately then got your sales leaders buy-in, you've got their investment, they've spent time and effort testing this new platform, trying out the content, trying out the structure. And then we can also, I'm sure that comes with that are some early teething issues that will need to change some pieces. But if we can get that right as part of the pilot with those early champions, early adopters, then that sets a really nice stage for going out. And other people will then want to see, well, someone else has used Clue to increase a deal closing or increase the deal cycle, increase revenue, um, close deals faster, then they're going to want to be using that tool too. Have you seen any good examples or bad examples of uh, like a product marketing manager trying to get a sales leader's foot, like getting their foot in the door to to care about this? Because ultimately your competitive program only matters if the sales leader cares or the sales team cares, as we've, as we've mentioned at the start here. Yeah, I haven't seen any cases where we've tried to get, you know, the CRO or the sales leader on board and they've refused. And we try and set the stage really early um, for that scenario when customers first come on board with Clue. So we highly encourage running threats to pipeline analysis. Um, So that's based off uh, an export from their CRM data. And that will immediately help them identify who are the key competitors that are coming up in deals most frequently. And those are the competitors that we'd recommend you start building your content out in Clue. From there, if we can show and bring value to senior sales leaders or stakeholders with what we're trying to achieve with the program, these are the competitors that are coming up and that you're losing to most frequently in deals. These are the ones that we're going to address first. I think it's very infrequent that we would see a sales leader um, uh, not want to be involved in that because essentially we're saying we're we're wanting to help increase revenue and increase the speed of deals closing. This actually dovetails nicely into kind of the second rule or tip that you've talked about, which is explaining the why to them. Why should they care? And you're saying that with the sales leader is that you talk to them on their terms and what the outcome will be for them. It's going to become easier for you if you can get that buy-in and um, from these external stakeholders. But in doing so, you need to talk on their terms and in their language. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think explaining why you're introducing a new tool to sales is key. And we do that. We try to do that in all of our training presentations. When we actually do roll out to sales, we always start with these are the challenges that we've heard you're having when you're coming up against competitors. And this is how we're going to help you address that. Um, And I think if you think of yourself as a sales rep, like we speak to our own sales reps quite a lot. And if they're super busy. They're trying to reach their quotas. They've got pipelines that they need to follow up with prospects. They've got an awful lot going on. So if we then introduce a new tool without giving them any reason for wanting to use that, any benefit to them, it's going to be a real challenge. So um, I think it's really important, you know, if your sales team is driven by quotas, um, by that I mean commission. So if they're they've got monetary value attached to their deals. We need to show them that by using a software like Clue, where it's got all of this competitive enablement content in, it's going to help you win more deals, aka win more money or earn more money. Um, We also need to make sure that they're aware of how software tools are going to make them more productive. Um, It's going to save them time, efficiencies. In competitive intelligence, one of the frequent answers that we get back from the benchmark survey that we send out or we encourage our customers to send out when they first come on board with us is a benchmark survey that asks sales to give us an understanding of how confident do they feel about their competitors um, now. And then ideally, we we send that survey out at a regular cadence um, to understand how those change. 
And if we can, from that survey, often we find that actually each sales rep is creating a whole bunch of CI collateral. Every time they're asked for a prospect of how do you compare against this competitor, they're spending a ton of time creating that in the background. Maybe they'll share it with another rep if they hear that the rep needs that. Maybe they'll store it on a drive. Maybe they'll send it in an email. But more more times, I think that actually never gets reused or resurfaced and it goes out of date very quickly. So if we can show them that by leveraging a tool like Clue, they're going to not have to create any of their own collateral. It's all been done for them. And we want to create the collateral that they need, which all comes as part of the feedback in the survey. What CI Intel do you need to help win against these competitors? That's a huge value point for them that they should then want to embed this tool as part of their workflow. And I think with, I think any tool you've got or any behavior to encourage behavior change, it's something like someone's got to repeat it 12 times for it to, I think 12 is the right number, like to actually embed as part of their workflow. That's a lot of repetition. So proving those value points and what's in it for the sales rep is I think a key piece for rolling out. That's, that's really interesting. That repetition piece uh, on my end here from a marketing perspective yeah. is sometimes you don't have to reinvent the wheel. It's just be consistent yeah. and repeat and repeat and be present with that messaging. Or in this case is yeah, being present with the, with salespeople. And I, I, I like the fact that there's almost a natural feedback loop as well. When you're, when you're talking to salespeople and you're asking them, what are the problems that you're facing? It becomes more real and more tangible and something that I know talking to customers talking to just other product marketing leaders is like the, the one of the biggest difficulties is the disconnect right between yeah. product marketers or ci leaders ce leaders and and the reps and yeah. kind of building that bridge by talking on salespeople's terms and actually asking them just directly like what are the problems you're facing i can guarantee you that salespeople are not going to be shy expressing that yeah that's actually a great point on the disconnect piece. That is exactly what we're trying to avoid. When you're rolling out a software tool, that is exactly what we need to try and avoid with all of these seven points that we're talking about here. It's about making sure everyone is on the same page. Um, Our product marketers that we're speaking to, exec sponsors, sales leaders, all on the same page with why we're trying to get them to adopt a new tool and the frontline sales reps themselves as well. And I'm curious, I've got, I, I think as well, one thing is that it's not a one size fits all answer for some of these for some of these problems and kind of building out a competitive program. I'm curious, how does that differ between say an enterprise company or a growing company? Is it is there some different process to really kind of build that out? Because it's if there's thousands of sales reps across the globe, it's going to be really difficult, and they're also going to have different sets of needs and uh, problems and different sets of competitors entirely. And I guess in, so I think, I guess in some ways it is, it is different if you're a larger enterprise compared to a smaller company. Um, But I think also at the end of the day, you still need the buy-in from the key people. Maybe in a smaller company, it's, it's quicker to get that buy-in. It's easier. They sit right next, well, not now, uh, (laughs) but they might, (laughs) maybe they live down the road from them um, and it's quicker. But in larger companies, it takes a long time time and what we find is in it's in those larger companies that we really need to involve all of those different stakeholders as early on as possible otherwise rumors might start happening as well internally like oh i've heard that you're building out this software tool oh should we be involved in that 
or we're actually already doing something that's potentially quite similar, let's check the overlap. Whereas small companies, that's probably less likely to be happening. So I think that it's it's the same premise, no matter what size company you are, it's just easier or quicker in smaller ones than it is in larger ones, which I guess hits home the importance of actually bringing in all of those folks that you need to accept sponsorship early on in the larger orgs, if that makes sense. 100%. That makes a lot of sense, especially when it gets more complicated or a bigger task. That's why point one, having the execs into kind of establish why this matters or that this matters is uh, kind of bridges the gap. And then you can start to explain that why and you can start to bring people into the fold. Um, you briefly talked about this is the, the the third tip here is this piloting. But like how do you actually go about working with salespeople? And obviously for a competitive program, it's not only salespeople that will be your users or um collaborating in the competitive program, but for for this for this case here, yeah. how how do you kind of get salespeople in on a pilot and show value? Yeah. I think I think the Starting a pilot and also to the earlier point of making sure that we've got some early adopters and champions, they sort of go side by side. Um, at Clue, our pilots look quite different, and that's depending on our customers. We we want it to be a tailored experience, and the number of people that we'll bring into that pilot will depend on the organization size and also the resource. So, um if it's an official pilot, uh, so we can either run official pilots where our product marketing manager, they'll have maybe two or three competitors. So we always suggest, let's just start with a smaller set of your key competitors. Let's get the content and the structure for those really right. And then if people agree with that, we can then incorporate people's feedback if there are any changes. And then let's work on the other competitors. So start small and scale uh, with the content as well as the teams that we're opening up access to. Some of our customers I've seen, I think, as I mentioned before, as part of those pilots, some of them will bring in senior sales leaders, and those will be the folks that will feed down the content. Maybe they're also more seasoned reps. Maybe they've been at the company a lot longer and have more inside knowledge as to how they compete against the competitors. So those folks will be really valuable to bring in. Others will actually think, let's open up to three or four frontline sales reps. And in turn, it's really important to get the persona, I think, right for who you're opening it up to. They can be sales leaders, but also they don't necessarily have to be um, tech savvy people to start adopting a software. For competitive enablement, we want to get a mix between those great high performers that are closing lots of deals so that we can bring in their knowledge, like what's worked for them really well. Win stories is always a big one that we uh, really try and recommend that people push out firstly, because that's going to have, that's going to resonate really well with sales reps. If they see that someone else has won a deal against against this competitor, it's like, it's doable and um, we can bring that in. So if we can leverage some people that are quite, um, that are great sales folks, high performers, closing lots of deals, um, as well as Maybe people that actually, we look at a group that have actually come against specific competitors quite regularly. Maybe they haven't won every single deal, but we also need to learn from why they're losing as well. So it's really about getting the right mix of people for that pilot. I think with the pilot, it's really important to have a start and end date. And it's really important to let the pilot users know why we're giving them early access. So the value that we need to get from them is that we want to make sure that this content and this structure is going to work for your wider team. But obviously, they need a value that they're getting from giving us their time 
and testing out this content. And that's really, they're getting early access and being able to contribute to this content that's going to go to the wider organization. They can put their stamp on it and they can help get the right content in there that is going to help their team win more deals. It's uh, it's really interesting that idea of bringing in your most successful or most seasoned sales reps and not necessarily being tech savvy. And something when I've talked to a lot of product marketers, some of the six biggest success stories they've had is bringing those people in. I also find that it, it helps the person in charge of a competitive program feels like it could be very burdensome. And it could be a lot on yourself that you have to have all the answers. You're bringing all this stuff in and you have to bring all the answers to the table. But that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. Like if you bring in these top salespeople, you're leaning on them. You're leaning on how they deposition a competitor, how they've handled an objection against competitor X successfully over the last three years, four years. And you're just being able to take their brain and the way that they speak and you can just put it into the content that you're sharing out to other reps that aren't quite as successful. So not only do the end users matter in terms of sales using your content, but actually leaning on them heavily to provide content for you. And I think you're talking about that as well with the survey to identify the common problems that they're facing, but also on that solution space, because again, that disconnect between product marketers and salespeople in terms of messaging is a big one, right? It's salespeople saying, this product marketer is not in the field. They're not actually on that call. He or she aren't actually on that call. They can write a talk track all day long, but they don't know if that's actually going to land. Yeah. Even showing examples in your competitive content, which is, uh, I think is really, really key. Kind of, so it's more peer learning. Sales are learning from one another. And yeah. I think that it's a, it's a really good point you made in terms of not necessarily tech savvy, but it also helps establish the why as well for sales reps. It's like, yeah. it's all this collegial learning amongst each other as well, which yeah. I think is going to naturally increase adoption. Yeah. And that's why we've got a lot of collaboration tools like within the Clue platform as well. So when we do open this up to um, a pilot or a beta group, early access group, whatever you want to call it, we really encourage them to feed that back through Clue so that it's easy for your product marketing managers to just take that information and build it into the boards or battle cards. But to your point, Adam, we we want those sales reps, whether they're sales leaders, um, more junior sales reps or, or I guess newer sales reps to the organization they're the ones that hear all the golden nuggets when they're speaking to prospects that probably doesn't get documented anywhere so it's really is like picking the brains um, you're probably not going to find any of that information on drives but your product marketing managers can probably help extract why did we actually win or lose that deal maybe the sales folks don't know they they know the facts and what the prospect chose another competitor potentially over them but just bringing it up a level and trying to show the value so that when we build the content, we're setting the seeds of value from those early sales conversations with prospects. You might not need to get into the nitty gritty um, of product features and that sort of thing. This actually leads into another one of the, the rules you've made here, like integrating the tool or the platform into your communications and processes. Because I think as well, Salespeople are kind of getting prospected at all times with like, this is your new tool that will help you win. And it's, I'm curious yeah. how, how you go about kind of integrating that into, into their kind of workflow in a way that will not turn them off or make it feel like, oh, I've got another tab open. Yeah, no, it's a great point. And I think integrating 
workflow or a new software tool takes there there are I guess there's two different ways to integrate it. You can integrate it um, physically to, into the current tools that they're working with so that they don't necessarily have to leave that workflow to enter the new software or to enter Clue, which is what we encourage with all of our customers, putting it where sales folks tend to live the most, um, but also integrating it as part of the company culture, part of your communications and processes. So again, I guess linking back to the first point of um, getting our key leaders on board, whether that is sales enablement, um, whether that is uh, a sales leader, from the sales enablement side, if Clue really is every time a new sales joiner comes on board and Clue is part of that playbook for onboarding them, then that new joiner automatically sees this new software tool as, oh, we're using this new tool at, at my new company. And it becomes part of that workflow, part of that company culture for those new joiners. For sales leaders, if they can be, we see a bunch of our customers doing an amazing job at having, uh, maybe it's weekly, but I think for our product marketing managers, maybe to join those sales sessions, it might be bi-weekly or monthly, but really encouraging sales leaders to bring up competitive intel as part of those meetings and clue as part of that and really encourage people whenever a competitor comes up in their deal conversations have you gone to clue and I, do, I think it's more about um those sales leaders not just asking those sort of top level questions like oh do you find clue in this case useful or do you find this new software useful um but going beyond that and really asking how have you used this in your deal conversations? And then that will, again, create that culture that all of the reps should be using this software tool whenever a competitor is coming up in those deal conversations, whether it's early on, whether it's they've asked by email for a comparison, um, all of that should loop back into tool where you can find competitive intel. That, that makes total sense. And again, I think it's very self-serving if you were to say, and again, we're using the Clue example here because that's a that's a company we work for. But this can be for any kind of sales enablement tool. Is if you're just saying, "Did you find X helpful?" That's very it's pretty self serving. I know you're asking for feedback, but it's still very centered around that tool. Like you want to transition that into like you've identified the problems that you're trying to solve here, and how how is it going about solving X, Y, or Z for you? Like. This yeah. putting it like making it more applicable to them. So they're not just like assessing a tool, but like how is it actually working for these three things? And and just an, another point on that, it in line with those sales meetings talking about clue and trying to encourage users to use it, little things like sharing usage stats or sharing success stories, early win stories of how another sales rep has used the tool goes a long way. Um and indicate that if Clue is brought into conversations quite naturally, then it's assumed that people should be using it. It's not a use it when you have time. I think that would help integrate it quite a bit as well. And that's what we've seen with customers. When you share usage stats, sales reps are competitive. So when you share usage, usage stats with and show people that are using it and then correlating that with increased numbers of deals closing, that's going to generate quite a bit of buzz and get people using the tool. Yeah, it's it's tying qualitative feedback which is incredibly useful but also having quantitative data to back it up and like you mentioned sales reps are competitive and there's if there's something that is proven to give them a leg up i i'd hazard a guess that they wouldn't be reluctant yeah. to use that yeah for sure. I, another key part of the success of rolling out um rolling out to sales for a sales enablement program is you've, you've mentioned customizing training so what does that look like I mean, custom, I mean, that's kind of a silly question because customizing will be case-by-case -case basis, but what, what's the process like, I suppose? 
Yeah. Um, I think, well, firstly, customizing training is super important for a, any software rollout because every organization is going to have people that want to be trained in different ways. So um, with the majority of our customers, we'll always run well, we'll always run a live training session. So our rollout, we try and always make it a live event where we can run training. Um, and then also for the people that actually don't necessarily resonate with live training that well, we'll we've got a bunch of help docs, um, video recordings that we'll always encourage that people pop onto their LMS if they've got a learning management system. So that works really nicely. But in terms of the, what does that event look like and how do we customize that? Um, we want to make sure that it resonates. So working closely with sales enablement to even ask them, you know, what's worked really well with your sales team when you've rolled out another software tool is key. These, when, when we're lucky enough to be able to work with the sales enablement team directly, they've got a whole host of stories and experience that we really try to pull into the clue training as well so that we know that this will be successful. Some of those customized elements, I think an important one is early success stories. If we can pull in any key ways, and maybe that comes from the pilot users. So if we had some pilot users leverage the content or the early content in some deal conversations, has that content helped them move that deal forward? If so, how? And um, maybe they even want a deal after using uh, the content include. So we really want to be able to pull in those quotes, those success stories, those use cases that people have already used Clue for, and even get those sales reps speaking. Um, rather than just us speaking, if we can actually get sales reps hearing from their co-workers and their colleagues how they found it, it's going to be super impactful. And that ties in again to kind of this qualitative and quantitative. Like Again, you can't have one without the other, really. And you can show improved uh, win rates based on using competitive content. But at the start as well, I don't think numbers will land quite as well as your peer just sharing a, a real-life example. I mean, that's why customer testimonials are used in marketing on a daily basis. That's why salespeople, when they close deals, refer to case studies or have customer referrals. Like You want to hear it from a person too because, yeah. again, something like software and software rollout or a sales enablement tool there could be a lot of things thrown your way, a lot of numbers, a lot of technical jargon. And sometimes hearing it from some like a peer kind of humanizes it a little bit, but it starts to make it more relatable. And I think that's something you've constantly been hitting on here is to get that traction, kind of build this culture. And I think culture can be a hard word to define. and But it's something like that, like just building that familiarity is a huge element of it. Yeah. And actually one of definitely that familiarity and one of the I think just thinking to one of my customers actually who did an awesome rollout they decided not to go with a live training event um which was was fine but they actually created uh, a clue training themselves through a, another platform and actually whenever a new joiner joins their company and also when we rolled clue out to all the sales folks they uh, went through a six-step process. They had to get through these six stages. So sort of like a clue certificate, if you like, that the company created. They put their stamp on it. They included a scavenger hunt as part of that as well. So um, step four or five was asking them to go into clue and find specific pieces of information that links, obviously that links with their industry, their company, their competitors. And it just resonated so well. Um, there may have been incentives for them to complete the scavenger hunt. Incentives for sales is great. That's what they're driven, one of the things that they're driven by. Um, but I think, 
you know, customized training needs to be whatever works for that organization. And we're always really keen to help build that, whatever that looks like, whether it's us running that, whether it's helping them build a new um, internal uh, like learning system that they have to go through. Um, but definitely leaning on those early win stories is going to be key. And even for booster or refresher training, we need to come back to those all the time so that people can see how Clue is being valuable, how the content is being valuable in helping push deals forward. For sure. And yeah, that, that once once your competitive program is established, there's you're hoping that there's a natural feedback loop. But although you've rolled out your competitive program and it's it's established, but there's gonna be a whole host of new SDRs, new AEs, new new people across the board that probably should like that should be using the competitive program or having it in the workflow. And you it could slip through the cracks as well. And that's kind of like that down the road as well as that refresher you mentioned. I also like the idea when you're talking about that rollout, not only that six step process, like that certification is actually a really interesting concept, but um the gamification too. Yeah. Yeah. Scavenger hunts. Yeah. And I think that as well in this work from home uh, setup, uh, it, it can be pretty disconnected. It can be pretty isolated. And just something as simple as creating a game out of a software rollout and innate like software enablement or sales enablement platform or a competitive enablement platform, like just spicing up that little bit. Like not everything needs to be very boring. And uh, this, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, we like to sure. be exciting. This is why I yeah. dragged you onto this podcast and like I was going to pepper <laughs> you with questions. Is this exciting for me? It's, it might be it might be hell for you, but I'm enjoying just peppering no, you with questions. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. Do you have any tips or advice in terms of getting the executive buy-in? Yeah, we so I think my biggest tip there would be to get their attention, we need to show the value for them and how are we going to help their their teams and why should they want to give us the time to, to jump on a call. So we run, and it's back to sort of the threats pipeline, and, but more so the impact analysis. We run those with all of our customers um, and we, we can show across the board that Clue users versus non-Clue users generally have a higher win rate than non-Clue users. They have shorter deal cycles. Um, they are able to discount less as well. Uh, so the average deal cycle for Clue users tends to be larger than non-Clue users. And we haven't, I don't think we failed yet at getting the attention of a, a sales leader with those metrics. That's what they want to see, right? Their quotas are, are winning more deals. All right. That was comprehensive. I'm sure there's going to be, I'm going to listen back to this and have a million and one more questions for you. I'm sure our listeners are also going to have a million and one questions. And Super grateful for your time here, Alex. And we'll no, catch amazing. You. Thank you. We'll catch everyone next week. <laughs>